So a German professor of moral theology who was teaching at the University of Wittenberg boldly pinned 95 complaints to the large wooden doors of his church, All Saints Church in Wittenberg, Germany. These 95 objections spelled out what he believed was the abuse of clergy in selling prayers. They called them indulgences, and they were selling prayers to the highest bidder for the salvation of others. It was October 31st in 1517, and that was the marked time in which we say the Reformation began, the Reformation of the Church. This priest and this professor, of course, is Martin Luther. And if we look back at the Reformation over the years, we can certainly see that there's been an effort towards um, reforming both the Catholic Church as well as many of our Protestant denominations that grew out of this Reformation. A, a movement towards renewal and, and uh, bringing us together. But even in the midst of all of that, there's been division. And that division at times has been very painful. In our lectionary today, it asks us to call out and to celebrate Reformation Day. And we do so by recognizing that that wedge of division continues to exist among us, not only in the larger Christian church, but in our own United Methodist Church and in our communities, our civil communities as well. In light of our brokenness and our division, we are drawn to these two texts that we read this morning. First is the text from Joel, which is read during Yom Kippur, which is the Festival of Atonement for the, for the Jewish people. It is a time when they traditionally seek to be renewed, this brokenness within their community that happens because people, well, people take advantage of each other. And so we know and recognize that God knows that we won't always see eye to eye, but God surely does expect the best of us, that we should dream dreams and that we should continue to be a better part of who God has called us to be. Luke, the evangelist, sets Jesus' parable in the midst of a renewing community, a community that has also been experiencing conflict and division a, a time in which some who see themselves as more righteous than others hold those others in contempt. So I'll be reading this morning from Luke's Gospel, the 18th chapter. And I'm going to pick up with verse 9 and go through 14. Listen now for God's holy word. He, Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, Jesus said, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, idolaters, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all of my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. 
For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. May God add blessing to the reading of this holy scripture. So those of you who have been with us on Wednesday nights as we have gathered over at Reconnect and we've been studying the short stories of Jesus have learned that parables cannot always be taken at surface values. We, in our upbringing, might have learned that this particular parable is about humility, and that, of course, is an important and valuable interpretation that can come out of it. But what A.J. Levine reminds us is that sometimes we have to look at it through the eyes of the first hearers, and they might have been hearing something different. You see, Luke sets this parable in the midst of conflict, a community that was filled with... um, with contempt for one another. And so this Pharisee and this tax collector, they're both Jewish men. They are both allowed time in the temple, in the same place in the temple, to do these prayers. They are equal in the sight of Jewish law and Jewish expectation. But what comes out of this is a broken community because of the... um, Uh, livelihood of the tax collector. It is often understood that the tax collectors took advantage of their very own people within their own community. They took advantage of them. So the surprise to the earliest hearers is not that one prayer is better than another prayer, but that the example of one who lives a faith-filled life and witnesses to the grace of God can be an impactful witness to the one who feels ashamed and alone. And in that moment, God justifies and makes whole the entire community. That's a good lesson for us. That even in the midst of all of us, there are those who are hurting that feel pushed away, and there are those who live faithfully and call into account our living. That's an important community, an important message for communities that feel driven by this wedge of separation inside us. So I've been reading this book by David Brooks called The Second Mountain, and in this book he considers four social issues and, and that our society, our American society, is struggling with after this hyper-individualism that grew out of the 1960s. He says, first of all, we've become a community, a a, uh, society that is lonelier than we've ever been. He says that in 1950, 10% of households were single-person households. And uh, now, today, 30% of us live alone. Also, he talks about how the former Surgeon General uh, named uh, Vivek Murthy says that his most common pathology that he treats is not heart disease, it's not diabetes, it's loneliness. Because at the (coughs) core of most of our issues is this sense of loneliness. This loneliness affects us not only in our health, but also in our sense of well-being, and we can see that because our suicide rates are ever-increasing. Since 1999, suicide rates in America have increased by 30%. 
and by 70% among young people ages 10 to 17. We are a lonely and isolated group of people. We also are a people that is growing in distrust. We, uh, we recognize that our earlier generations have felt that self-sacrifice for the greater good made perfect sense to them because they believed that it would be returned to them. They believed that if they served their country and their church and their community, that their country, their church, and their community would give back to them. Today, most of us, or many of us, have lost that sense of trust. We no longer believe that these institutions are there to give back to us, especially our young people. Robert Putnam, who is a professor at Harvard, acknowledges this, and he says it's not merely a perception that, in fact, more and more people every day are becoming less and less trustworthy. So that trust, distrust breeds distrust. That leads us to a third uh, problem, and that is in our loneliness and in our distrust, we really struggle to find meaning and purpose in life. We have lost faith. We have lost faith in the great causes of the generations that came before us. We have lost faith in faith. Church attendance is down 50% since 1960, and that's not just in the United Methodist Church. That's across all of Christendom in the, in the United States. We have lost faith in our country. In 2003, a poll showed that 70% of Americans were proud to be an American. By 2016, that same, show, same poll showed that only 52% of us are proud to be Americans and only 34% among the millennials. So in our isolation... In our lack of finding purpose, we seek a way to be connected. And so David lays out this this emerging thing in the way, a transformation that, that is taking place, and it's this need to be a part of a tribe. And he says, here's the problem with a tribe. It may look like a community, but a community is connection based on mutual affection, And a tribe is connection based on mutual enemy. So what that says is that the more miserable we get, the more we want to be around other miserable people. So I found myself wondering about this notion of tribe and community and what this particular text that Luke lays out for me has to say to me. And I wonder if it's a way of shining the light on my own self-righteousness and the way that I hold others in contempt. I found myself wondering what kind of tribes I adhere to. Do I find myself participating in the tribes that vote as I do? Do I find myself participating and adhering to the tribes that see the future of the United Methodist Church the same way I see the future of the United Methodist Church? Do I find myself adhering to the tribes that are in the same position on immigration, on war, on any other social issue? I had to ask myself the tough question. Do I join those tribes so that I can hold a mutual enemy? 
Because what I think Jesus is pointing out in this parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector in the way that they pray together is that it demonstrates a place and a space that can be restored, not because it's tidy and filled with people of like mind and people with uh, a common enemy. Instead, it can be restored because it is messy. God's sense of community is a messy, thick, raw place in which people who are broken and flawed can be together, a place where a dynamic system of relationships can flourish because we are connected on a common affection for God and for others. The community that Jesus seeks here is one where people walk beside each other. We carry each other's burdens. We come alongside each other when times are tough, when times are good, when we struggle in times of grief, in times of trouble, in times of uncertainty. We pray for each other. We lift each other up. We pray when the other one cannot pray. We are also a community when we celebrate together. We find times to be joyful around weddings, around new babies and baptisms and educational milestones and spiritual renewal. These are all wonderful celebrations in our communities. A community is a group of people that is organized around a common story. First and foremost, the story of God's salvation. But also it could be a common story of the life of this congregation that's nearly 100 years old and our presence in this community and the difference that we make in this community. But we look back at those stories and they're not free of hard times or conflict. They include hardships and conflicts. And they put our individual differences aside so that we can be mutually impacted by Christ and in love with Jesus in our lives. Friends, what does it look like for us to put aside our tribal communities, our tribes? Could we align along a common mission, like the one that's on our bulletin that we read each week, that we come together to make disciples for Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, what would it look like if we came together in an act of mutual affection for our neighbors? Could we come together in mutual affection of each other? What would we have to give up in our tribalism in order to to work in the food pantry on Saturday morning and feed our neighbors with a smile on our face and get to know them? And what would we have to give up of our tribal times to, to be a part of the great days of service? Or what kind of tribal things would we have to give up so that we can worship with the one at Blue Christmas in the middle of our week just because they are facing the grief of a lost one this year? What kind of tribal activity would we have to give up if we were to approach the communion table and kneel next to the one that not only doesn't look like us, but sees the world different than we do and lives in the world differently than we do? That's how we build community, friends, in this messiness. But first, 
it means that we have to let go of our contempt for each other. Will you pray with me? O Lord, of all things messy and wonderful, forgive us for our tribal connections. Give us a clear understanding of community that heals and renews, a community that witnesses to the grace of God and teaches us to live a life of faithfulness. O God, give us a community that binds us together in a common story, your common story, and one that calls us to serve out that love and that story and mutual love and affection for one another. In Christ's name, amen.